Welcome to The Light of the World with Jerry G. Martin. As we celebrate Mother's and Mother's Day, I am bringing you a series of messages that would encourage our mothers and build our mothers up. And also, for those of us who have mothers still with us, it is an opportunity for us to honor them and show them the love that they so deserve. We're going to share with you about Mother, the woman of virtue, and how to honor your mother. And then I will share 10 things my mother taught me. If you are a mother, there's a special prayer for you at the end of each message. Come and go with me as we celebrate mothers and we walk in the light of God's word. You've probably never heard of Anna Jarvis, but each year your calendar reflects her influence. She is the founder of Mother's Day. Anna was at her mother's bedside on the night she died in May of 1905. Two years later, she convinced her church, where both she and her mother had taught Sunday school for years, to hold a special Mother's Day service in honor of mothers on the anniversary of her mother's death. That Sunday morning, Anna gave a white carnation, her mother's favorite flower, to every mother who attended. And that morning, there were over 400 people. I remember when I was younger, we used to have a flower on Mother's Day, a white one and a red one. Whatever happened to that? I'm just looking around. Didn't they, didn't they have those carnations? I mean, some of y'all don't remember. Yeah, huh? Okay. Yeah, when I was young, I think white if your mother was passed and red if your mother was still alive. We're going to do that next year. And now who's going to buy the flowers? <laughs> okay, we, okay, we're going to buy the flowers. Somebody remind me a week before, okay? An idea was born from that point on, and Anna began to seek to honor all mothers. And in Philadelphia, she organized a Mother's Day committee, and she got support from Henry Hines of Hines Food. And in 1910, West Virginia became the first state to recognize formally Mother's Day. State after state followed the lead, and in May 10th, 1913, the U.S. House of Representatives passed a resolution officially recognizing Mother's Day. We live in a culture and a world where we have self-centered attitudes and a dog-eat-dog mentality, but God's word still challenges us to go against the tide of popular culture and honor our parents. Parents are becoming out of style. There was a, a little news story here just a couple of months ago where someone, a commentator, said, people are going to have to stop thinking that the parents own the children and that the state needs to take direction on which way they go. Isn't it strange that when you're, you're in school, I know when my children were in school, we, we had to sign a note approving that they can go on a field trip, but they don't need parental approval to get birth control pills. Something is wrong with that picture. It's a dead giveaway. 
that something is wrong. We have seen in recent past horrible news story of teens and young men and women murdering their parents out of selfishness. But there is a recurring theme in the Bible that tells us to honor our parents. No less than eight times in the scriptures, we are told to honor our fathers and our mothers. So God must have thought that was important. So while we're here on Mother's Day, I want to talk about honoring our mother and you know, why, we, why we ought to do it and how we ought to do it. And if your mother is still alive, you still have the opportunity to do so. In the book of Ephesians chapter 6, verses 1, Paul, when he was writing to the church about family matters, started that chapter off with these words, children... Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. So maybe we should have had all the children in this morning. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise attached to it. And the promise is that it may go well with you and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. Children, obey your parents because it is a commandment and it has a promise attached to it. For too many families, that means children obey your mothers because a large number of parents in our culture today, a large number of homes, too many of them are run by single mothers. And especially in our culture, more babies are being born to the unmarried than there are being born to the married. Today, we see the results and influence of what's been going on for over a generation. The prisons are full and overflowing. Crime is rampant. Young men join gangs to have families, to be around other men. It's a challenge today for those single parents. When the scripture says, children, obey your parents and the Lord, it's not talking about just young children. As long as you have a parent, you a child. And as long as they live, you should honor them in obedience. Even if they tell you to do something wrong, just say, well, okay, I'm going to do the best I can and go on and do what's right. We are told to obey and to honor. Obey and to honor. Obey has to do with an action. And honor has to do with an attitude. One is an action. And the other one is an attitude. To obey is to listen attentively. And to respond positively to what has been heard. Many mothers would live longer and would grieve less if their children would do just this one thing, and that's obey. Now, there's a, uh, since we're honoring our mothers, I just have to throw this in and I'll move on. Now, mothers, you kind of have to train them. You don't raise them. You train them. An old preacher said you raise hogs and, and chickens and cows, but you train children, train up a child. See, when you raise animals, you just throw them some food and let them do what they want to do when they get to eating. 
But I heard somebody said they had to learn how to cook, clean, wash, fold clothes, all kinds of stuff. You should have seen us dragging those clothes to the washeteria. My mother had six boys before she had a girl, and that didn't make her no difference. We was making cornbread from scratch, <laughs> cutting up chickens, frying them, smothering chicken. We were cooking like old folks <laughs> while we were teenagers. And you got women getting married, can't do nothing but put something in the microwave <laughs> and mess that up. <laughs> what am I for that do? All right, I got one amen. <laughs> but somebody got to train them. Train up a child in the way he should go. and Give them something to obey. Train them up. They got a room, let them clean their own room and wash their own clothes. Wash dishes. Why are you washing dishes and you got teenagers? You're going to have to wash when they're gone, you know. You want to get rid of them out the house, put them to work. They'll leave voluntarily. <laughs> the reason they're still there at 29 is that they don't have to do nothing. <laughs> you work them like a slave, they'll get out like we did. Uh, we, we were like 17, I was head now, like leaving church. I'm, I'm gone. I got to college, they want me to join a fraternity. I say, I ain't pledging nowhere. I done pledged all my life. Ain't nobody telling me nothing to do. I ain't doing nothing. <laughs> Bossing me around, <laughs> I'm free. <laughs> but you know, we knew how to work. We knew how to take care. Why? Because we were trained. We didn't like it, but it was to our benefit. They didn't like lazy. They would see us sitting around. My mother had one good phrase, let me find you something to do. <laughs> we couldn't just watch TV. When she'd leave home, she, she, she used to take the plug with her. She'd pull the car. <laughs> she'd take the card out the back of the TV or the fuse, take it with her. <laughs> Hallelujah. But Pastor Leon had another fuse, amen? My brother, he had another fuse. She didn't know about it. See, I got this. She got another fuse. I can tell her now. <laughs> amen. She made us creative. Now, the basic reasons that children ought to obey your parents because it is right. This rightness is not because of any polls or surveys or theories, but on God's standard of what is right, he said to do it. In the book of Hosea, chapter 14, verse 9, it says, Who is wise? He will realize these things. Who is discerning? He will understand them. The ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but the rebellious stumble in them. So when the Lord gives us something, he's looking at it from his perspective, and he is right. And the right attitude behind the right act of obedience is honor. So what does it mean to honor your mother? To honor means to value highly, to hold in highest regard and, disrespect, and respect. To hold in highest regard and respect. Now there's something that works kind of odd. If you just love your children so much that 
you just let them have everything they want and do everything they want, they will dishonor you. It seems like they would honor you if you just give them everything they want, never tell them no, pat them on the head and just say, you know, you just respond to their every wish and everything. And when they get older, they will dishonor you. And when you try to correct them, they'll tell you to shut up. You ever been in a store, you seen some kid acting up and you say, let me get out of here because I might just jump on them myself. <laughs> right? I just want to go over and give them, just, just slap them real hard, give them a beat down. But I can't do that because I'm saved. <laughs> but I sure wanted to. Ooh, Lord. Now look at the parent. What is wrong with you? This, now the kid ain't but four. So I already told y'all before how you need to handle that. You handle it when they're real young. You don't have to worry about it when they're old. I don't know what my mother did to me when I was little. And I was the fifth child. It works like this. When you're number five and you see everybody else walking like this. You just get in line, you don't ask no questions, because they know something. They already know, they already been through it, so don't try to get out of line, just get in step with everybody else. Here's what God said in the book of Exodus, chapters 20 and 21, God gives his children of Israel, now listen, they have come out of Egypt, they had been in Egypt as slaves for over 400 years and they're coming out and just think that's over some estimate maybe two million people and I always think about this they were governed by the Egyptians so they didn't have their own governance their own political system their own leaders their own law or anything so they go out into the wilderness and God began to give them some laws rules commands and how they need to function as a society and as a family and all of these Here's one thing that God said through Moses in Exodus chapter 21, verse 15. Anyone who attacks his father or his mother must be put to death. He didn't say put him in the corner for time out. He had a permanent time out. He said put him out. 21:17. Anyone who curses his father or mother must be put to death. Now, ask the question, why does God is so strong he is talking about the fabric of society that when you lose that fabric of society the society won't be long before it just disintegrates if there's no respect for anybody or anything because if you don't respect your parents you're not going to respect the law you're not going to respect the system you'll walk into a crowded movie theater with a gun and start shooting people at random You'll build bombs in your room and go try to blow up a school. Now, how, how are you going to build a bomb in your room in your mama's house? <laughs> and have all these guns and things in your parents' house and they, they don't know nothing about it. So mother in the house, the kids don't have no room. You're just loaning it to them. They ain't got no stuff. You go in and look in every drawer. Get out of my drawer. It ain't your drawer. You didn't buy the draw, and you didn't buy the draws in the draw. <laughs> so what are you talking about? Your draw. You get your house, you can have your draw. But what is this? You look at everything. You in charge. 
In Leviticus chapter 19, verse 1, the Lord said to Moses, Speak to the entire assembly of Israel. God says, Speak to the entire assembly, everybody, and say to them, Be holy because the Lord your God, I am holy. Now look what he says immediately after that. And each of you must respect his mother and father and must observe my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God. God comes out and says, I'm holy. Now, take care of your parents. Respect them. He was serious. Deuteronomy chapter 21, verse 18. If a man has a stubborn and rebellious son who does not obey his father and mother and will not listen to them when they discipline him, his father and mother shall take hold of him and bring him to the elders at the gates of his town. They shall say to the elders, this son of ours is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey us. He's a profligate and a drunkard. Then all the men of the town shall stone him to death. You must purge the evil from among you. All Israel will hear of it and be afraid. Now, I'm not encouraging y'all to go down there and start killing your kids. Now, I just want to be, the pastor said kill them. No, I'm just telling you, what, I'm just telling you what they said. Don't kill them, but don't let them know you ain't finna kill them. How many of you thought you saw your life pass before you when you was getting a beat down? Either to physically or verbally abuse a parent was a capital offense in Israel. In the United States, at least 8 million assaults are made each year by children on their parents. In recent years, a number of children have been convicted of murdering or hiring the killing of their parents usually for no greater reason than a resentment of parental control or discipline. When you haven't disciplined a child until he gets 15 and you start, you got issues. And if you haven't done anything when he gets 15, just let him roll on out. Don't even worry about it. See, if you discipline him properly when he's two, three, four, I mean two years old, because they know how to control you at that age. They learn real early. They learn in the infancy stage because every time they cried, you came running. They said, oh, okay. That's how that works. So I had to learn quickly or so I wasn't going to get no sleep. I let Jasmine, I said, you're going to have to cry tonight because I ain't coming. <laughs> and I had to hold her mama and not let her come. <laughs> oh, I can't let the baby cry. When she, well, if she ain't got sense enough to know that the... Uh, Ain't nobody coming, and we got a bigger issue than that. <laughs> and it only lasted for a couple of nights. After that, she was saying, okay, they ain't coming. Let me go to sleep. <laughs> but they'll have you coming for a year and, and picking them up, holding them, shaking them. No, you going to sleep. You ain't sick. <laughs> now, we didn't have that problem with Jessica as long as she had two bottles in there. She drank one and threw it out and get the other one, so we didn't have no problem. Yeah, I was waking up giving her another bottle. I said, I'll fix this. I'm going to line them up in the thing. <laughs> We're not getting up all night. 
where there is no discipline of children, those same children will soon mock their parents, their teachers. You know, we, we just have to pray for our teachers today. You can't discipline the kids at school like they used to. You know, I wish I went to a school that they didn't have to discipline, but maybe it was abuse. They'd go to jail for doing stuff that they did to us when we was in school. I'm serious. They'd be arrested. They'd had a board, and they'd whoop you just for not knowing your homework. And then dare you to call your parents, because the parents would come out there and join them. Your parents would say, don't, don't have me coming down there. Don't call me to come down there. They whoop you in front of your classmates. They can't do that no more. Parents, listen, don't whip your children and scar them all up and send them to school. Wait till they heal up. <laughs> then send them. Amen? Don't, don't, don't have them all bruised up and everything to send them to school. Keep them at home. Tell the teacher y'all went somewhere. <laughs> Honor of your mother encompasses Listen to this, providing for them when they can no longer provide for themselves. If your mother is still alive, one of the things that you ought to do, and, and we all need to do this, we need to let them know that they shouldn't have to worry about what's going to happen to them when they can't take care of themselves anymore. You ought to just make it a point. Mother, whatever it takes... We're going to be sure. We're not going to put you out there with a bunch of strangers because we don't have time for that. Okay, wait a minute. Now. I see some people looking at me. Guess what? You're going to get old. And we reap what we sow. When a mother has a child, there is nothing that's more important to them than the care of that child. When you have a parent, there's nothing more important at that age of their life than the care of that parent. So whatever you got to do, well, I don't know if I want to move in with me. They just get on my nerve. Well, guess how much nerve you got on? <laughs> they had to deal with. It's just reciprocal. That's life. We have to take care of one another. This is family. You're going to farm them out to a bunch of strangers who will push them and beat them and mistreat them. And then you go over there and then you want to fuss at the people. I want to talk to somebody over here. Well, how come you ain't doing it? Because it's getting on your nerve. It gets in your way. It messes up whatever you're trying to do. A mother spends 20 or more years taking care of children. The children ought to spend whatever time and money necessary to care and provide for their parents if the parents are no longer able to do so themselves. This is Jerry G. Martin, and I am so thankful that God has allowed my mother to be here with me as we celebrate this Mother's Day. Perhaps your mother is no longer with you. God is still with you, and we pray that as you remember her, some of you may still be grieving, and you miss your mother so dearly. I ask God's blessings and grace and favor over you during this season. There are others of you whose mothers are still with you. This is a great opportunity to give her a call or to visit her and let her know how much you love her and how much you appreciate her. If you would like to hear today's message again or in its entirety, you can hear it on our podcast. 
The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. You can subscribe to the podcast where you'll get a note every time a new one is posted. And you can also share that with family and friends. Again, that's The Light of the World Daily with Jerry G. Martin. I invite you to come and join us in our services at The Light of the World. Pastor Jackie is ministering and preaching a dynamic series. We're at 16161 Old Humble Road. Again, that's 16161 Old Humble Road. Join us online at lowcf.org. Our Sunday morning services are at 10. If you're searching for God or searching for a place to believe and belong, call us at our prayer line number 281-964-1393. 281-964-1393. For the light of the world, this is Jerry G. Martin saying, may the Lord our God richly bless you and we'll be with you again next time.